Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Kuhn and we'll have updates from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. Light snow continuing as we speak across parts of North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota. The new snow totals will be in a range of one to two inches. Strong northwest winds will be resulting in blizzard conditions across most of North and South Dakota. A winter storm warning in place in west central Minnesota. The winds will start to diminish this afternoon and evening. Interest rates are increasing. It doesn't look like there's a slowdown anytime soon. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has that story. When we rang in the new year in January of 2022, the U.S. was coming off of three full years of no rate increases from the Federal Reserve. But with inflation taking a toll on the economy, the Federal Reserve has clocked in seven interest rates throughout this year. Bell Bank Senior Vice President of Agribusiness Lynn Paulson says historically, interest rates aren't as high as consumers think. We've been really, you know, capital has been historically cheap for the last decade. I always go back in the early 80s when I first started, I think the highest interest rate loan was 21%. So even 7 8% interest, while it's double from what it was a year ago, historically it's probably not as high as, as we think. You know, there's two ways to look at this. I think, you know, from an operating loan standpoint, there's a lot of producers that are are cashed up pretty well. They've got a lot of working capital. They've got a a lot of cash. They've got a lot of grain sitting in the bins. So they may or may not need a big operating loan. So from that standpoint, interest rates probably, at least for 23, may not have a significant effect. Paulson says there's more interest rate increases in the future. I don't think that we're done with increases yet, but I think the rate of increases are going to probably slow down, maybe 25 basis points. And then I think you're going to probably see it flatline for a while. I think the Fed has made a conscious decision. We're going to kill inflation, whatever we have to do. And if it takes higher interest rate and even the threat of a recession, that's what we're going to do because the, the economic cost of, of long-term inflation is probably higher than short-term interest rates being where they are. But the interest rate thing is really interesting because still we've got what we call an inverted yield curve, you know, where short-term rates are are higher than long-term rates, and that doesn't happen very often, but I think every time that that's happened, it's been a precursor to a recession. So things are kind of out of whack right now. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Diesel fuel prices have declined for six straight weeks. For the week ending December 12th, the average U.S. diesel fuel price was 4.75 per gallon. That's down more than 21 cents from the previous week, and it's the largest week-to-week decline since 2008. Stopgap spending measure to keep the government operating for another week is on the way to President Biden's desk. Senate passed the continuing resolution last night, giving Congress a few more days to approve a massive omnibus spending bill. The Water Resources Development Act is part of the National Defense Authorization Act that was passed in the Senate last night. WERDA authorizes flood control, navigation, and water restoration projects for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. North Dakota's Senator Kevin Kramer is upset with the federal government's determination that it had no jurisdiction 
over proposed Fufang corn wet milling project in Grand Forks. In an appearance with Greta Van Susteren on Newsmax, Kramer spoke about the next step. I personally think, Greta, that there is information that, that some of the agencies glean. That's why I've asked for, for a, a classified briefing from the Treasury Department, which is the head of CFIUS, and from the Department of the Air Force, if not the entire Department of Defense, because you know they're the entities that I'm most concerned about, obviously. And, and uh, hopefully I'll at least learn, with my clearance, what they learned during this review. My sense is that there are serious concerns. I know there are some serious concerns. The Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States does not have jurisdiction over agricultural investments. Kramer is hopeful that can be addressed in the next session. The European Union has tentatively agreed to loosen restrictions on Russian fertilizer exports. Numerous Russian ships filled with fertilizer are stuck in European ports due to the sanctions connected with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The EU ministers seeking a change in policy cite food security concerns, especially in Africa. Colorado Senator Michael Bennett has introduced legislation to develop an agricultural visa system. The bill would revamp the H-2A visa program and give farmers worker, uh, farm workers a path to permanent residency. At this point, there are no Republican co-sponsors for the bill, limiting its chance for success. This is the Red River Farm Network. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. This week's export sales report showed better demand for corn and soybeans. Bolt Marketing Market Analyst Dwayne Bossi says there is demand under this market. Really show that the last two weeks when corn and soybeans dipped, we did find some demand. Now I know the corn exports still aren't good, but what we did see last week is commercials come in and buy the futures market very hard because they can't seem to get the corn out of producers' hands, so they just bought the futures board as the managed funds exited. That's a very good sign of support moving forward. Soybean shipments are a concern. But yeah, the shipments are behind a little bit. The sales are good, and then when you look on the corn side, the sales are way behind, and the shipments are way behind. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we can catch up uh, the pace a little bit. Probably won't 100%. But those soybean sales, they're starting to get above the normal five-year average pace for this time of year. Remember, we don't have a whole lot of extra soybeans to export this year, so I think it's okay that the shipments are behind. If they start to catch up, this market might have to rally to ration some of that demand. Lando Lakes President and CEO Beth Ford is calling on the Senate to pass the Farm Workforce Modernization Act during the lame duck session of Congress. Ford said the country is at a tipping point and U.S. food security is threatened by inaction on the immigration issue. Behind-the-scenes work to expand foreign markets is the focus of the U.S. Grains Council. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. Expanding markets for grains and byproducts probably isn't something you think about as you're greasing a combine or preparing your planter for next spring, but it is the job of the U.S. Grains Council to work on it at all times. USGC Vice President Kerry Sifrath says mitigating trade issues and working to develop markets is their focus. We're out there making sure that export markets remain open, um, trying to deal with trade tariff issues, phytosanitary issues, um, to markets that, that we normally trade with, making sure those are open, even when hiccups come along, to try to overcome them. And then always are looking for new potential markets. And market development is not something that's done in a few months. Sometimes it takes multiple years. The mature markets of the, the Japan and South Korea and Taiwan, and they're, and they're still there, but you know, working in Southeast Asia, a market like Vietnam, which has grown leaps and bounds, is in our second largest importer of DDGS today. Indonesia 
Indonesia and Thailand, also big markets for USDDGS. CIFRAS says that while they're not a lobbying group, there are a couple items that USGC will keep an eye on in the next farm bill. The two big programs through USDA, the Market Access Program, MAP, and the Foreign Market Development Program, FMD, are funded through the Farm Bill. There's a big push right now to even double the funding of, of both of those programs. They've been very stagnant for, for 12, 15 years now, and obviously inflation and other things. Um, so the, the, the buying power that that has. But th- th- those programs which are funded through the Farm Bill are what allows us to have staff and, and offices and programs around the world to help open up and maintain the markets we have and open up new markets um, globally for corn, barley, and sorghum and those co-products. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. Coalition of 20 farm groups argued before a federal appeals court arguing against EPA's decision to revoke food tolerances for chlorpyrifos. The Red River Valley Sugar Beet Growers Association filed the original lawsuit. Sugar beet, soybean, wheat, and cotton groups joined the lawsuit asking the court to vacate that EPA decision. Grant Breitkreitz says serving as Minnesota State Cattlemen's Association president this past year was an experience that showed him the diversity of the cattle industry and the ag industry across the state of Minnesota. Well, it, was, it was a great experience. I've enjoyed all of it. The biggest thing was is getting to meet the producers across the state. It's a huge state, you know, from north to south. It's a long ways. And getting to meet all the producers and see the different environments that, farming and ranching happens in this state it's just incredible the diversity so i think that's the highlight of it is getting to meet the producers that i was representing Reich Wright says the minnesota state cattlemen's association job is to represent all sectors of the cattle industry and he was grateful to be their representative we've made that a point as minnesota state cattlemen's association that we represent everybody i, I don't care if, what sector you're in we try to represent everybody i mean we spend a lot of time down in st paul making sure that every single beef producer in this state is protected and gets to do what they enjoy doing yeah i guess it's just great being able to represent this industry you know 16,000 producers in this state and got to represent them Grant Breitkreitz from the Minnesota State Cattlemen Association. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. U.S. Class 1 railroads originated 26,000 grain carloads during the week ending December 3rd, up 29% from the previous week, but 7% less than the same week a year ago. USDA's Grain Transportation Report says the secondary rail car bid and offers were $542 above tariff. That's $123 less than the previous week and $600 lower than last year. Barge grain movement totaled 769,000 tons for the week ending December 10th, 5% less than the previous week, 8% less than a year ago. As of December 8th, the rate to ship a metric ton of grain from the Gulf Coast to Japan, $57.25, less than a half percent higher than the previous week. Rate from the Pacific Northwest to Japan, $32 per metric ton, 1% less than the previous week. CHS has released its annual report on sustainability. According to CHS Chief Sustainability Officer Megan Rock, the cooperative is looking 
on an outcome-based approach to sustainability. That's what we're, we're doing at CHS is focusing on that measurable change that can be implemented long term. And when you, when you look at somebody that has already been doing cover crops or has already been doing no-till, they already have lower carbon um, in smart, you know, smart commodities or climate smart commodities. They already have that. And, and so they sh there should be a benefit for it. And there's a place for that as well. And that's the, the type of markets that we need to work to build. This is a time of transition as companies formalize their sustainability initiatives. It, it is a little messy. And, and I think producers feel that, that you, you have different companies coming um, at them with different opportunities. And they're saying, you know, sign up for this many acres for this many years. And carbon means this. And no-till means that. So it, it is a little messy right now. Uh, so we're, we're not there yet as an industry, but I do feel that we will start to work on more alignment. And, and that could be, you know, I, I think that's a great place for the cooperative system to use our scale. And we can leverage that and, and help to uh, put some alignment around it. Checking markets, Minneapolis wheat a quarter penny higher for March at 919, the May contract a penny higher. The Chicago wheat for March gaining two and a half cents and hard red winter wheat for March three quarters of a cent higher. Corn's the other direction. We're down three quarters of a cent for March at 6.52 and three quarters. July corn down a penny. And soybeans three and a quarter lower at 14.70 and a quarter for January. March down by three cents. As we check in on the farm calendar, the Lake Region Extension Roundup is scheduled for January 4th and 5th. Uh, that'll be taking place, of course, in Devil's Lake. The Minnesota Organic Conference is back with a in-person statewide conference. Uh, that's the Minnesota Organic Conference hosted by the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Their event January 5th and 6th at the River's Edge Convention Center in St. Cloud. And on the national schedule, Potato Expo is coming up in the Aurora, Colorado area near Denver. Uh, the... Uh, meeting itself January 4th and 5th and of course the Red River Farm Network will have broadcast coverage from Potato Expo. Be safe out there today. Have a good day. This is the Red River Farm Network.